Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Digital Health and Wearables series. I have another fantastic episode and magnificent guest for you, but before I go ahead, let me acknowledge our global partners and sponsors, Spirit Digital, and also the series sponsor, uh, ASCOM. Uh, they are specialists in healthcare, wearables, and digital monitoring. But uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Dr. David Albert, which is the founder and chief medical officer of Live Corp. David, how are you? Jao, thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be here. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for making time and being here. I've been following your great work. Your innovation really took off the last few years. But uh, yeah, congratulations on that. Well, I, again, I, uh, I, I've been following your work as, as you promote the use of wearables in a variety of uh, different environments. Oh, brilliant, David. Okay, let's go straight to the question. So the first question, David, that I have for you is, what do you see as the main challenges in implementing and adopting wearable devices? Well, it depends on what you want to do. But if, if we're talking about healthcare, and the use of wearables in healthcare. First of all, unlike buying something for yourself, you have two customers for the wearables in healthcare. You have the person wearing the device, and then you have the person receiving that data, the doctor, the nurse. And so there are two different groups of people that you have to satisfy, and, and companies have to understand that because while the wearable is on the person, the information oftentimes goes to another person to be used. And so that's that's one consideration that, that companies may not understand. The second one is that if you're going to use these for medical applications, you have to prove that they're accurate. You have to prove that they're clinically relevant. And the way we do that is clinical studies. And so whether it's the Apple Heart study or the Huawei study, uh, you've got to go out and conduct validation studies, not just marketing, not just press releases. And so that's another barrier to people who may not, who come from a consumer focus and not a medical focus. So they have to understand that's another barrier. If you're going to make certain claims, you actually have to go get regulatory clearance. So you have to have the FDA or CE Mark. And so that again is another aspect that many companies it for coming from strictly a consumer perspective, don't understand. And so, you know, these are, these are all parts of what stands in the way of making a wearable, a standard tool uh, for delivering better healthcare. And then the last thing I think is, is, you know, what you, you, I think you're going to ask me what's missing. What, what do they need to do? Well, there's one other component that is critical to wearables. And that's AI because a wearable has the potential to generate a tremendous amount of data. You can't go into a doctor with four inches thick of activity data or heart rate data. That's just, they don't have time. They can't go through that. So therefore we need artificial intelligence, neural networks to take all of that wearable data, that very potentially useful data and distill it down into actionable information for the healthcare provider and for the for the person themselves. They need to understand it. And they, you know, looking at months and months of data, 
not very helpful. Oh, brilliant, David. Thank you so much. I mean, fantastic points there. And also the, the initial point about we have the user and then we have the or the clinician or the nurse or the healthcare organization. Uh, I've, I've done lots of work and research and everything. And there are many, many barriers to consider. Also the, the barriers of the long-term engagement of the wearables. People use them. They stop using them. Also, what's the motivation behind it? Because in healthcare, it's very different, as you mentioned, that a fitness or wellness device. So thank you so much for really broadening that uh, that awareness. And, and the second question that I have for you is, what do you think is missing in wearables industry? Well, I think, you know, there are practical aspects. It, it, one of the reasons why people stop using things is that they have to keep charging them or they forget their charger. They, they go on a trip. Oh, I didn't bring my charger. I didn't do that. And, and, you know, we're focused today on keeping our smartphone charged, but a wearable is another device that you have to make sure you charge. And so battery life is one practical aspect. The longer they can make battery life, the more practical a wearable will become. Okay. And, and at the same time, you have people adding more functions, blood oxygen measurement, uh, EKG, more functions, all of which drain the battery more. And so you have two diverging uh, directions, one towards I need a longer battery life to make this thing practical so I can wear it. The other one is adding more features, which inevitably takes more power. So that, that's a trade-off people are going to have to work with. And then the other thing that I think is critical is you mentioned it. Healthcare organizations have to trust the data. They can't have it delivered in paper. They can't have it emailed to them. You know, right now we have a number of healthcare organizations whose information systems have been compromised by ransomware. And so they don't allow emails in, in, in many of them. So you've got to have some conduit that is both trustworthy and secure in order to get that wearable data into the healthcare organization to the provider. And then ultimately, you've got to have the AI that analyzes it and gives the suggestions, the insights to the doctors so they can use that potentially very wear valuable wearable data to help take better care of the patients. Uh, so those are the things we need. And I think part of it is getting the wearable makers most of whom are consumer companies to understand what it takes to become a healthcare provider. And that that's a, I think many of them are trying, but it's a challenge for them. Uh, they're used to, uh, you know, just saying, I've got more features, I've got a lower price. Those are not really the functions that that'll drive uh, medical adoption. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned many considerations. I actually done a, uh, 159 pages report on health wearables engagement and uh, some of the user related barriers are forgetfulness because we forget the wearables. I mean, I tested, David, I tested many wearables and how many times I left my wearable on the top of the fridge with no batteries. So what you mentioned is really relevant. Uh, yes. Also the security, the, 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 I mean, the security aspect is, is very relevant now because people, they, they feel a bit and easy about who's got my data, the pharma companies, the insurers, the providers, and, and everything. And also the, the intrinsic motivation, because 
we use them if we really feel that they bring value or there is something that is relevant to us. And the steps are like, for many people, not as relevant. Probably now I keep an eye on my sleep and other metrics. But yeah, mission, you mentioned very important points there. And I actually done a book chapter on um, uh, wearables, the combination. My vision is that the combination of wearables and artificial intelligence will be the true game changer in, in healthcare because the doctors, they don't have time to go through our data and through our wearable uh, data. And you, you probably get 10 minutes in a face-to-face -face consultation if you're lucky, I mean, before COVID. But if you go to a GP in the United Kingdom, you probably get five or 10 minutes. You tell what the problem is, there's a prescription, and off you go. And that's the reality, you know, the uh, reality. That is the reality. You are right, Drow. That is the reality. And I think that's why AI is critical. You cannot have a successful wearable uh, adoption in healthcare without some really high powered AI uh, in order to take all that great data and turn it into insights that the doctor, the nurse, the physical therapist, whoever it is can use to help that patient. Yeah, sure. And David, moving on into the third and last question, uh, tell us more about your great work that you are doing with the Alive Corps, please. Well, we, we have a number of projects at, at AliveCore. Uh, we've expanded our, our product offerings from our original single lead CardioMobile to our new CardioMobile 6L6 lead that gives you half of a traditional 12 lead ECG in your pocket. Uh, it's, it's a device that's literally, you know, uh, uh, size of a little bigger than a stick of gum. And uh, you put your fingers on the top electrodes and put this bottom one on your left knee or ankle and, and you can gain really some tremendous new insights. And obviously we've been working hard on things like AI. We have partnerships with Mayo Clinic and others to develop really useful AI. As I mentioned for, for our wearables, no different than anybody else's. If we don't have AI, then they aren't really going to be useful, these kinds of, of data sources, because they create too much data. And, and I look at the AI. AI is the box that turns raw data into actionable clinical insights. And AliveCore is working very hard in a number of areas with people like Mayo Clinic, uh, Cleveland Clinic, to develop that AI that can make these tools really useful. Oh, that's brilliant. And David, you are on a third, at least second or third generation of the device because you've done some great work. I remember when it was on the back of the phone, now it's kind of a standalone device, right? Yeah, that's that's right. It started off as a as a case yeah. for a smartphone. But of course, that was back when there were only like two smartphones. And now we have hundreds of smartphones. In fact, you know, even a single vendor, a Samsung or an Apple has many different sizes of smartphones. So the case became a difficult proposition. So we separated the device from the case and uh, so that it is universally usable with any smartphone. But we've stuck with the smartphones and the tablets because people use those as their basic communication tool. I call it the turnaround test. If, if, you, if you leave home and you forget your wallet, okay, you may or may not turn around and go back and get it. But if you forget your smartphone, you're turning around and going back and get it. The, the smartphone is the remote control for our lives. And I think if I hadn't did anything right, 
it's figuring out that that would be the information hub, the personal healthcare portal for people going forward. And I think that's turned out to be true. Oh, brilliant. David, you are so right. And uh, you know, I've been following your great work and I'm, I'm there right from the beginning. I remember when the device was in testing and everything else. And David, we come to the end of the interview. Uh, I finish all my episodes uh, before I, I, I thank you. All my episodes in a peculiar way. It's not really a question. It's a bit of a surprise. It's called One Minute of Fame. So you can men mention anything whatsoever. I mean, your great work with uh, LifeCore, personal achievement, family, I mean, colleagues, company. I mean, anything whatsoever. Over to you. One Minute of Fame. Well, it's really, thank you, Jao, for this opportunity. Uh, I, you know, our lives today, my wife and I have been married 37 years, but uh, the great new thing, we have four children all grown, is we have a brand new, almost two-year-old granddaughter. And uh, on Sunday, we went to the zoo with her and I was able to show her and post it on social media, showing her elephants. That's her favorite animal, the Ellie's, she called it. I'm going to go see the Ellie's. And so uh, we were able to show her both Indian and African elephants. And so that to me was joy. And I hope, uh, Jao, you and all your listeners will bring joy into their lives because after this last year and a half of COVID, we all could use more joy. Oh, David, what a great way to finish. I personally would want to thank you for your time, your expertise, your insights. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. I'm going to wrap up now. So I'd like to thank all our viewers. Make sure you subscribe, check Spirit Digital and ask them. And also I'm going to put all uh, David's uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, connect with David, ask about live core and this great work and make sure you share all this great content with your communities in healthcare. And I'll see you all next week. Thank you very much, Chow. Thank you, David.